Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Business Uncut. Today, uh, we've actually got Wayne from uh, New Wave Fi- uh, Financial Planning joining us today, and Wayne is, heads up that division. Wayne has been in the industry for some time now, and um, you know, we just want to get his thoughts because this is one of the uh, one of the areas that a lot of clients have been asking about. It's a, it's a topic where people still don't understand how to to align their business with wealth, their personal wealth, what they need to do in terms of reaching their goals and so forth, and just hearing some stories about um, you know what Wayne's been through. So Wayne, welcome to the uh, welcome to the podcast. Hello and hello everyone, and thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. Uh, maybe I'll just start off a little bit, Wayne. Just um, a little bit about yourself, a little bit about New Wave Financial Planning, maybe just a bit of personal life. Just, Give the uh, audience a bit of an introduction to yourself, I guess. Yeah, sure. I guess the stock standard is how I got into financial planning. Um, I've been doing uh, work inside finance for probably 12 years now. Um, I was in the lending space and I didn't have a degree and I was getting to a certain area in my career and it was hard to get ahead without having a degree. Um, So I made that decision um, as a mature age student, about 24. went casual and went back to uni. Knew I liked finance and wanted to stay in that area, but it wasn't until uh, I got some direction from a uni lecturer who said that financial planning will probably become degree qualified, like as a mandatory. So she suggested that and yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, good. And then obviously you have a family recently, a yes. newborn. Yes, yeah, pretty young family. So partner and I, we have two boys. Uh, one's two and a half and the other's six weeks. So. Yeah, so plenty of work on your hands at the moment. Bit of, bit of a handful, but yeah. it's good, loving it. Awesome. And, and originally from? From Toowoomba. Um, don't hold that against me, though. Moved out, you know, when I could and love it here on the Gold Coast now. Yeah, awesome. Now, one of the first aspects I want to touch base on and, and a lot of um, clients and even friends and family there is that stigma around financial planners and financial planning. And I think it's been built over some time now because of all of the bad press and and I guess there has been some bad situations out there. I guess I wanted to get it from your point of view. Like what is the difference between a financial advisor and the and the and the I guess a stereotypical financial planner? Yeah, no, it's a really good point and unfortunately there is that stigma. A a lot of it comes from, and I kind of touched on it before with the degree, um, it was a pretty unregulated industry. So while there was a lot of good financial planners out there doing really good work for people, there were quite a few really bad advisors doing bad work. And they were acting within the guidelines, but it was just so unregulated that um, there was a lot of horror stories come out of that. And unfortunately, kind of financial planners all got that same yeah. Same Do you have any of these horror stories that you can like talk about or, or speak oh, about? Not for me personally, like that I have places I've worked, everywhere's been great, but I, I, you do hear stories, it's mainly about fees. So just charging huge fees and not providing um, good quality service, not providing what the clients ask for, but it's just the fees were not in compar- like comparable to the, the service that was being yeah. provided. I think that was the main thing. Other, you know, you really hear horror stories where people take people's money. Mm. Um, I don't even know how that would happen, but yeah, you do, you do hear yeah. stories like that. And I think one of your, um, one of your team members, Brock, he always, you know, jokes around about uh, glorified insurance brokers yeah. uh, or salesmen. And, yeah. and that is, in a sense, it's you know, it's a joke, it's a running joke. But there are a lot of financial planners out there who are just glorified insurance 
salespeople. Yeah, definitely. And I guess it that comes from like an umbrella approach that a, an insurance, like a personal insurance sales can be classed as financial planners, yeah. uh, planning. So some people out there that just focus solely on insurance still call themselves financial planners. And while technically it's correct, it, it yeah it gives you that stigma yeah. that that is financial planning. It's yeah, just and insurance. I, I think that's where the stigma has come from. These people that have, have created basically a cookie cutter approach um, it's basically a sausage factory and they're getting clients in and, and just churning them really and that's what you want to stay away from really yeah definitely yeah it's, uh, it's not a sustainable kind of business yeah. to run and it's not going to benefit anyone really in the yeah, long term that's awesome and look well that's not awesome but I mean like understanding that is valuable in itself what we're going to go through today and, and the reason why I got Wayne on here is just to get a good understanding on how you should be utilising a financial planner, what advice they can give you, why it's important in the first instance, and how to stay away from these cookie-cutter approaches and these these um, you know, these glorified insurance um, salesmen. Now, don't get me wrong, insurance is a part of life, mm. and, it need, and, and having adequate and proper insurance that are aligned with your goals is super important, but you have to choose the right one, and you have to yeah, make definitely. sure that it is aligned with your goals, and there's, a, there's an actual process to it rather than just picking the first thing that comes in front of you and gives the financial planner the best their best commission or whatever it may be. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely agree. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about, maybe I'll start off with um, wealth and business. Because obviously, actually, you know what? Let's take this back a little bit. What to you, what, what does a financial planner do? Yeah, it's it, a really broad topic, but I believe a financial planner should be looking at a personal a person's personal situation and goals and then putting in a financial plan to make those happen. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it, it might be as simple as setting up an investment or sometimes it's getting more control under their money or you know saving for certain things or a combination of everything but it's, it really comes back to understanding what the client wants yeah. and then providing the roadmap on how to get there yeah. in the best you know best situation for them. Yeah, I like that because there are approaches out there where some financial planners out there that just specifically focus on property or yeah. whatever it may be. And for me, I always think about that and be like, well, is that the right approach for everyone? And the answer is probably no, Definitely. because everyone has a different situation. Everyone has a, a different plan in life. And, and that's why financial, the word planning and financial planning is um, I think it's, it's more of a holistic approach rather than just looking at property or, or manage funds or whatever it may yeah, be. Completely agree. And and on the planning side of things, you can have a rigid set goal and plan and put that in place and then a year later something happened and, and things completely change. Whether that's bringing children into the mix or or you know you just have a, a, a focus your focus shifts and your goals yep. realign. So that's plans do change but it really comes back to what you want at the time and, yep. and making that happen in a smart way. Yeah. And for the listeners out there we are going to talk about uh, you know the the position that you're in right now, the life cycle, what you are doing right now may be different from what you're doing in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the track. And we'll just have a chat about that. But because this is a business podcast, of course, we're going to try and talk about uh, building personal wealth and aligning that with you know your business as well. Because I come across a lot of um, clients that are great in their business, um, yet really, really struggle in terms of building um, wealth and prosperity in their personal life, aiming towards their goals. For some reason, their business is thriving and they haven't really aligned what they want to do. And some people, um, 
just aren't, they're just like that and they just want to grow their business and they don't really care about um, you know their personal side they don't want to mm. buy property yeah. have investments or they just want to live off uh, two minute noodles every day <laughs> and that's fine but most people aren't probably like that Yeah. but um, I think they need to get a good understanding so can you tell us a little bit about your ideas around building wealth personally and aligning that with business yeah sure yeah and I think what you said there is is pretty common and, and really sums it up so usually people self-employed people you focus on the business because you're passionate about it it is your main goal but there is that other element that it is there to make you money and and get your uh, make sure your personal goals happen but what tends to happen is you focus on building that business growing that business and then you put your personal finances or personal goals to the wayside mm. and then often your personal kind of wealth doesn't match your business wealth or or maybe not wealth but satisfaction Yes. So, um, yeah, we spend a lot of time on focusing on the personal side and what's needed there and to make sure it does match what you're exactly. doing with the business. Because that's what I always like to say to clients is you need to start off with the end goal in mind. So why get into a business? A lot of people might say, oh, I'll get into the business because I love doing what I do. But ultimately, yeah. it's a business and you're going to put capital into that, which means that you need some type of return out of that to satisfy what you're doing in your personal life. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and that's why I really want to talk about this. So. When people are planning, and obviously, you know, in your first couple of years of business, it's always hard unless you've been um, you know, given a couple of million dollars to start your business mm. in the first instance. It's super hard to start a business. So, yeah. you know, how should that? How should people that are starting their business align their personal side? Yeah, that that's a great question, and I think with any goal or any plan, the earlier start, the earlier you start planning that the better result or outcome you can have. So, you know, you might need to spend a bit of time making sure you're building up the right amount of personal savings to get by because your income, you're probably gonna lose the income that you have at your current job. Yeah. And everything's going into the business and you can't draw a wage or an income yeah. to begin with. So you need to plan like what that expense is going to be to keep things running personally. Make sure that you're not bringing stress on there, mm. um, but then making sure you can keep everything in the business to begin with to see yeah. it grow, if necessary. Yeah, and is that something that you work with clients on? Let's say, for the first 12 months, do you sit down and say, well, what are your non-negotiables in your life in yeah, terms of personal spending? Like, some people might say, I'm gonna give up my gym, but it's never gonna happen. Yeah. Um, is that something that you would go through with them? Or Definitely, it, yeah. yeah, so it, it does come back to personal preference, but that's ideally what, mm. we're, what we do, is getting right down to the nitty-gritty and, and the details. So working out exactly what your fixed expenses are, and, you know, whether they're going to change or not, really they, they don't. So that might be your rent, your mortgage, your electricity, your groceries, those basic things. Not understanding what you need to, to live on, you know, week to week, month to month. Um, then also, you know, outside of that, you do still have to have a life and have some fun. So yep. you need to have a bit of a buffer in there. But, um, and then from there, you can really plan, okay, well, this is a savings. This is going to get you through, say, six months yep. of a reduced income or no income. And then you can hopefully get the business to that level that you yeah. can start paying yourself yeah. away. So you essentially know in some instance how much the business needs to be making to make it viable, one, so that you can continue running the business and grow the business, and two, to live a life that you're, you know, at least for the first couple of years, just be happy with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's it. And sometimes people will be, 
you know, already in that process and might be a year or two into running the business, but only just pulling out money every now and then to get by and still don't really understand how much they should be paying themselves or need to be paying themselves. Mm. So that's another thing that we can do as well. Like if you're already in that process, work out what you do need to be paying. Yeah. Make sure it's affordable, like working with the yeah. accountants and, and um, business owner and then getting that kind of structure back in place that you you typically have when you're an employee. Yeah, and that's a good point. That's a good sort of segue to go into, into the second stage is that we were speaking about startup businesses where you sort of don't know, but at least you've already planned a year or two in front of how much you need. Mm. Now, if you have reached that, that point where the business is profitable, I do find that a lot of clients um, don't understand that money that they're leaving in their bank is, is basically, uh, in a sense, with inflation and all those sort of aspects and earning and opportunity costs, you're actually losing money if it's just mm. sitting in there. So you need to think of strategies, and, and this is where you guys come in and into, with that surplus income or profit, what is that best put towards? And it may be, it's different for everyone, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it comes back to preferences, timing, and goals. So, you know, you might have a goal that, it might be best to keep it in the business if you've got some big expenses coming up or you're hiring more people yeah. or buying a lot of product. Um, but then at the same stage, you know, there might be other ideas where you want to get a bit more return on the business or you know, if you're saving for an investment property personally yeah. or with the business is buying property. So there's so many different goals um, and, and everyone will be individualised in that approach, but you'd need to kind of understand what they are or work out mm. what they are spend the time on working what out what they are and then putting the plan in to make sure that that happens yeah that's no, good like even for myself personally this is something that I've been working on for the last couple of years and um, just to share an example the first couple of years you know I, I worked out in the new wave business that I can live off $400 a week mm. and the rest because yeah. I just wanted to really invest back into the business. I see business, this is where you need to level up, level it up and balance it because I see business as one of or if not the best return in, in investment that you mm. could have. There aren't many investments out there that can you know, provide you with a you know, 20, 30, 40% return on your on your actual capital. Mm. How much are, you know, just as an overview, like shares, what would they be returning at, you know, an average probably? Yeah, well, I guess we always try and approach that on a conservative yes. type thing. But if, if you're looking at the higher risk, you know, you'd, you'd only be expecting that 10, 12% return. Yep. Obviously, there can be a lot higher than that, you know, depending on markets. But yes. that's, I guess, a good safe yeah. return. So to 12, 10, 12%, and then mm. you've got managed funds that are sitting around. Uh, if it's the same risk, same it can risk. be around that same kind of return. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have property, that's probably what... Property, you know, you're 4 or 5%. Yeah. yeah, so we're just working on averages here, guys, but yeah. you're looking at like different ways that you can invest your money, and then obviously then you have cash, yeah. where you just have... Basically you know, nothing, nothing at the moment. At the moment. Um, and, and, you know, probably nothing for a little, a little bit of time. Um, going forward, the, the, the rates are just basically steady, steady at the moment. Yeah. So you've got to think about, you know, how much do you leave in your business, but how much do you also take out as well? Now, going back to my situation, um, there was a point in there where, where more and more money was just being invested back into the business, but I am also a true believer of building equity in your own name as well. Yeah. So business poses risks, and the, any business, no matter what it is, there is that slight risk of it just collapsing in a sense. So I like to diversify my my investments, uh, not only in business, but also start to pull out, um, you know, it's 
some, some of that money to invest into property, build up equity there, strengthen your, your, your sort of um, your personal finances so that you continue to leverage and so forth now. Yeah. Um, is that something that you know you help clients with as well? Yeah, I think yep. so. Yeah, definitely. And and in conjunction with you guys, like the accountants, and I guess that's what's really good here that we can kind of have that really close relationship to make sure the business, the personal side, and both are aligned. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's definitely what people will put everything into the business, and then sometimes your business not might not even be a saleable business. Mm. So long term, like. A, a, you're making money now, but long term, can you sell it in 20, 30 years? Will that be your retirement? Yeah. Sometimes people are the business. So you really need to look at, while the business, once it's up and running, start looking at definitely the word you said, diversifying. Yeah. So diversifying some of that money and risk. Yeah. Um, and you can do that by yeah, bringing it out of the business into your personal name, and then you have the same investment options, mm. basically in the business or personally. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a big thing you got to think of long-term. Yeah. Always have that in the back of your mind about what the end goal is. Yeah, for sure. And have you, do you have any stories where you've seen, you know, businesses that have been doing really, really well and, and just for many years and then, you know, now they're starting to think about the personal side and investing and diversifying to get passive income. And, you know, yeah. How did they transition, transition, transition into that sort of aspect? And, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no. So I've seen um, I've worked with a couple of people whose businesses are going really well, and then, like we said at the start, just really kind of neglected the personal side yeah. of things. And while they, it wasn't bad, it just didn't. They weren't in the same position personally as the business yeah. was. Um, so we spent a lot of time working out what what was needed, um, what the personal goals were. Some of them were like financial goals, but some a lifestyle. Lifestyle is just as important. Mm. So making sure that you can afford them and then making sure it's worth it. Mm. Um, so that, yeah, there has been some instances where we got down really um, nitty gritty and um, I guess you could say kind of structured and cleaned up the personal and the business side of things. So separated, made sure everything was nice and separate. And then um, making sure that they both both work well and yeah. I've seen some really good results. And a lot of it, you know, there might be the financial results, but it's also the, the stress levels. People yeah. are a lot more comfortable when you know exactly what's happening. You're not yeah. worrying about bills and they're secure, de-risking, and you're seeing investments slowly grow. Like you're getting that growth, you're getting that return, and you've got your business is still doing well, and you can afford yeah. to personally build well. Yeah, and it brings a lot of stress out of day to day. Yeah, I like that because then you're not relying just on one aspect to bring you in wealth basically yeah you know, a lot of people just rely solely on business wealth which is okay if you if you're aiming to be a you know like an amazon style business where it just needs to be that way and you're trying to create some type of legacy then fine do that but if you know if you most for most people it's probably yeah. not going to be like that yeah. and it's a, it's a good way to just start planning now so that you have different types of investments and then the de-risking part that's where insurance comes in right yeah that's definitely an element of it so yeah. i guess as boring as insurance is, it can be a necessary part of an overall plan because yep. it, at the end of the day, everything comes back to your ability to earn an income. So some businesses might be a bit more secure where if anything would happen to the, the business owner and they were out of action for you know a few months or a year, it might still be able to go and mm. run and you know generate profit, generate an income. But um, there's other businesses where if that one person goes, everything will start slowly yes. coming to a halt. So um, things like income protection for business owners is really important. Yeah. Um, 
can be important when you need it. And we, we see it um, because we have been doing it for a while. When the claims come through mm. and you actually get a good result and, and the money comes through, it can really, again, take out that financial yeah. stress. Because most people, you would say, haven't planned adequately, adequately enough for passive income and, and making sure they're just relying on one source. And again, mm. if, if you have a family and you have one person that is the breadwinner, Hmm. And then suddenly something happens. Like, what are some examples of something happening, like um, oh, a well, trigger? In regards to needing to claim yes. on insurance? Yeah, well, I guess the horrible one that you see is cancer. But yep. a lot of the time, um, it's more income protection claims that are accidents and injuries. Yeah. And they can be in, the, in your personal time, like Break you know, breaking an arm, yeah, or motorbikes. Like, we just finished a claim for someone who um, rides motorbikes. We put the cover in place. Two weeks later, he fell off a motorbike on the weekend and broke his arm and was yeah. out of action for a couple of months. So yeah. the income protection got him by. Yeah, um, and what are they covering there? Is it dependent on the cover, obviously, but but that one was income protection. So yeah. it was just his time out of work. So yeah. because he couldn't, he had a manual job. Yes. He couldn't do day-to-day -day work. So um, it was just he got two months paid while it had yeah. to recover. So peace of mind around that as well is a yeah. huge factor. In, Businesses. Obviously, when you're younger and you're starting up businesses, you probably don't think too much about it. Yeah, yeah. But and it's still, it's still a necessarily necessary evil, I believe, and uh, just to make sure that you're secure all, all around. Yeah, that's right. And I think I, I like to have the approach that um, sometimes you know the best quality insurance isn't the most appropriate because chances are you're not going to use it. Yeah. So it's finding that balance between something that's going to provide assistance if you ever need it, but day to day it's affordable. It's not taking a huge mm. um, whack into your paycheck or your business yeah. um, profit. Um, so, but you still got that peace of mind and constantly reviewing that as well to make sure it's still appropriate. Yeah, sure. Thing. Yeah, cool. So we've talked about a little bit about the business side, how you align it. Now, one thing I do want to talk about, because I've talked about cash flow on this podcast before <coughs> in terms of businesses, but cash flow in terms of personal wealth and yeah. personal circumstances, I feel a lot, a lot of... Um, clients, and just anyone in general, are living on this week by week mentality. Where you know we're we're in that in a world where I believe in Australia we've got everything pretty good, yeah, very good. Yeah, so great. you know the week by week mentality comes in. You know, if you lose your job, then you go into Centrelink, or if you yeah. lose this, you know it's obviously it's a lot harder than that. But we've we, compared to most parts of the world, mm. I feel like I feel as though a lot of people aren't educated because they feel as though it's not a necessity. Yeah, and it's not something that's really we're taught or is ingrained in our day-to-day yeah. -day life. So it's just kind of you earn and you spend and you know, yeah. you hopefully you earn more than what you're spending. Yeah, so do you have a general rule <coughs> about cash flow, saving, what you, like is there? Yeah, ideally, and it's one that's pretty common, um, yeah. but ideally, like if people have heard of Barefoot Investor, pretty much everyone has. Mm. Um, his approach on cash flow is, is, is what I believe in as well. So. With your income coming in, you should have um, allocated that um, to be 60% fixed expenses or, or no more than 60% basically. So that's your rent, yeah. your groceries, your, your necessities. Uh, then 20% for your kind of fun and, and entertainment. Um, so that's your hobbies, your lifestyles, things you could go without but don't need to. And then leftovers that 20%. And ideally that 20% is what's being used to improve your financial position. Yep. And whether that's investing or saving for an investment property or paying down debt or just saving in general, mm. it should be in 
being used to improve your situation. Yeah. So, and, and I think a lot of people will think, well, my 20% is only going to be $100. It doesn't matter what that figure is. The, the point is to get into a habit of saving that 20% and putting it to good use. Yeah. It could be $10, but that the compound of that, the effect of that is huge. Oh, long. massive. And if you look back over the last year or two, like if you've got a business and when you, you know, compared now to when you started, the time has just flown by, I imagine. Like it, it always does for anyone, you know, that's basically working and living. So when you're just doing those small, consistent habits, you know, in no time, it's actually very rewarding. Mm. It's, I always compare it to exercise, you know, if you just go every now and then mm. to the gym, you're not going to get anywhere. But if you're doing consistent, regular yeah. exercise, you see results. That's right. And, and, and you don't have to see it now. It's the same as exercise, right? Like, yeah. You don't expect to go in there and lose 20 kilos in a day. Yeah, exactly. same as investing. Yeah. You don't expect to make a million dollars in a day unless you, you suddenly hit it with Bitcoin or something like that, which um, there's no financial advice around that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But steer clear of that. Steer clear of that one. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's the same thing. It's just about yeah, definitely. being diligent, having a good, having great habits mm. around your money and being aware that um, money, you can turn a dollar into another dollar. A lot of people don't think about that. They just think they have to earn it and then spend it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and yeah, and you, and you kind of focus on the now rather than the longer picture. But mm. like you said, putting away $50, yeah. $100 a month, it's, it's crazy what that builds yeah. up to. Tell me about how, how far are you looking forward for clients? Uh, sometimes we project it 20, 25 years. Well, Obviously a lot can change and the longer it goes, the less accurate I guess it is because so much will change between yes. them but it still is gives you a good picture in regards to the decisions you make now and the effect that they have later on right um, a good example just back back to like investing and returns is with um, certain investments if you've got them there for the long term and you know you might only be earning eight or ten percent or you know mm. let's say eight percent on a certain amount but you hold it for 10 15 years and you're contributing a hundred dollars a month mm. you know it, it can turn into thousands and thousands of dollars down the track because of yep. int compounding interest yeah and then the other way goes with obviously looking at uh, properties and so forth so you'll sit down with a client and I, I believe you have done this before and and had a look at you know their 25 year term and then figured out ways on how to better save money so or, or put it to an offset account and what the, the effects of that to reduce the term yeah. of the actual property and you know, there's so many because everyone has different as, um, assets in their life and yeah situations. definitely yeah that's yeah. a big thing that we do i guess like forecasting and modeling so we'll use we'll spend a lot of time getting um to understand your current budget and situation and then use those actual real figures to then forecast yeah. and model what the future looks like um so things like that we've done in the past with people is is on the starting outside is saving for property or investment property and then looking at different options between say an investment property or shares and what are the pros and cons of each mm -hmm. and the costs and we can kind of work out okay this is what it would cost to begin with but this is the difference in 10 years time yeah and how do they track that ongoing is that something that you can assist with yeah ideally yeah so we work you know we have software that data feeds everything into one place um, we also keep really you know a, a detailed software in our you know in office and we we compare that every time we catch up if mm. we work ongoing relationship every time we catch up you know we'll review where you are now compared to where you were yeah. and then compare that to the, the original forecast and I'm able well. to just jump onto my phone and, and check where my position is or for the cash flow software yeah yes. definitely so that would 
been using for a couple of years, but I'm the biggest fan, I'd say. But um, you know, we've yeah. got a, a fair few people that use it as well that love it. Yes. Um, so it data feeds all your bank accounts or any kind of financial account into one place, and then it categorises it down to the cent in regards to where it's going. Like, where you're spending. Yeah, your mortgage, your groceries. Your net wealth. Can you put your net wealth, yeah. So you can have all your assets, liabilities. It's really good, um, seeing some people that have quite complex financial situation so you might have a few different properties businesses yeah businesses um, different assets different investments have it all in the one place all your loans and it will just break it down and say okay these are your assets these are your liabilities this is your net yeah. position and then even better it data feeds every day so it's accurate it's yeah. not something you're having to work on or fill out a spreadsheet or yeah. you know so it and it goes back to the fact that you can't manage what you don't measure in a sense like you're, 100%. you can't how do you know what to do where to put your money if you don't even know how much money you have in the first place yeah 100% that's it and that's it, it that aligns with our forecasting as well if you don't know the real figures what you're forecasting might not be that accurate so yes. when you do know exactly what you have yeah then it makes the, the goals more tangible more real yeah and again be careful with financial planners that don't deep dive yeah those forecasts they could be saying you're, you're, you're you know, driving ferraris in three years time that's right and, yeah um, it's a, just not the case a good example of that's even just some of the software that's online available for free where you can say oh this is my current super balance this is how much i earn how will i retire a lot of those uh, paint a really rosy picture. It's like, you know, mm. you're going to have a million, two million dollars, but you're earning 50, 60 grand a year. Yeah. Um, and I don't think they take into account real world you know, situation. Situation. They don't get enough yes. information to give you an accurate answer. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, moving on, I know I've only got you for a, a bit of time here, but uh, I want to talk about something that's really close to, I guess, <coughs> your heart, I guess, in terms of ethical investments. Yeah. Um, and this is something I know that the world is changing. We're seeing big companies now driving, um, you know, impact in terms of uh, CO2 and all those sort of aspects that, that their businesses are having on um, the environment. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's a big push that even the Olympics coming to Brisbane, there, there's, there's been talk that how will Australia be seen um, from a you know hosting standpoint, a sustainability standpoint, when we are the one of the worst in the world per capita, per capita yeah. for what we do. Now I know you're a big fan of um, sustainable investments, mm -hmm. ethical investments. Are you able to talk a, bit, a little bit about that? What it yeah, is? Yeah, for sure. It? I'd love to. Um, so I guess the big thing on that is, you know, a few years ago, because it, it's something I passionately believe in and. And then we're seeing more and more come out with your super, your investments mainly, you know, in the financial planning space around ethical and sustainable investments. And uh, at first I thought, oh, this is great. It's, you know, finally the money that we have, the everyday investor will actually kind of make change. Um, but then you, you dive into those investments and some of them are the exact same as their standard right. products. And you'll see that- So it's a marketing ploy for them. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And they'll have, not all of them, but a lot of them out there. They're slowly getting better, I think, because there's more pressure and more demand for it, I guess, from everyday people. Um, but you, you look at the top 10 investments and they're just the same, you know, your mining companies are the, in the top 10 investments, but it's an ethical, sustainable fund. And the reason that they can get around that is it, because it's, meets their own ethical mm -hmm. or sustainable standards. It's not an industry-wide one. Right. Um, there are a couple out uh, industry bodies now that are giving the rule book, and if you don't meet, if those investment funds don't meet those standards, they're the ones to kind of steer clear of. Yeah. So which so one are you looking at? Are there any sort of, 
obviously not advice, but are there specific ones that you've been di- deep diving into? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not advice, but ones I like, because we, we consistently do research to, to, you know, people, the investment products change, new ones enter the market. But um, some of the ones that I think are the best is Australian Ethical. Um, so they, they offer super products, personal investment products, but they actually do what they say they do you know they do practice what they preach exactly yeah so they they will um and and they're not alone there's beta shares out there they have some really good etfs that are um Mm. the same but they'll invest a lot more heavily in renewable energies but priority is really removing the kind of um the bad investment so that's your you know your um mining companies and obviously like gambling and stuff like that but then they'll they'll shift also into more renewable and, and yeah. I guess future-proof almost um, yeah. investment options. And I guess the tough part is, you know, aligning that ethical side, but as well as making sure that for a client, it's still growing. That's it's it, still yeah. growing their, their, their portfolio and their investment and so forth. That's right, yeah, because it's one thing to, um, you know, have that viewpoint but at the same time, it's your own money. You don't want to put that money in there and it go, you know, That's right. Disappear. You're not going to do it just just because you can do it yeah you still got to be smart about it and that's it you know everyone has that same kind of belief so yeah there's a there's a bit to it and you know there's two i guess approaches to it in a way as well that you know there's the the doing the right thing approach that you're putting your money into stuff that you believe and you're not funding the big companies that you don't like yep um but then also you know it seems the world's shifting that way anyway whether we like it or not you know, there's a heap of pushback, but it's going to happen. So that could well, it has be, to happen. Yeah, it has to. Yeah. So that's that's probably a good thing for the your investments. You know, it might take a little bit longer than we hope, but you, it should be future-proofing those investments is, mm. is personal belief. But at the same time, you've got to take that um, all the research. And, and I'm sure there are a lot of people, though, that have that same belief. Oh, yeah, and, definitely. And we need that in our, in our community and, and just... Looking, a small change in investment can make a big change down the track. You know, yeah, these are little things we don't have to, you know, suddenly become, I don't know, vegans. Yeah. Um, it, but these little things could actually help the world as well. That's right. Yeah. You see the big companies come out and they'll tell you, oh, what are you doing to minimize your carbon footprint? And it's like, well, you know, there's only so much you can do. But mm. the big companies out there, they have the power to make the change. And that's where it does come back to us because people's small amount of money in comparison to you know huge companies but when you're investing all your super money the super money's worth a super um balance out there in australia is trillions of dollars Mm. so if everyone's starting to shift their money into stuff that they believe in it has a massive impact on society basically so that's probably the biggest change you can do to Mm. make an impact to what you believe in exactly. is, is move your super move your personal investments in line with that yeah I like that and look I know we can go into a deep deep wormhole and, and <laughs> uncover many different things around this um, yeah. but we we might just finish it off here with um, you know a little bit uh, about about um, you know how you structure your fees um, where people can find you um, and if they have any questions um, what's the best way to get in touch yeah sure I guess um, in regards to fees it is a we have a flat fee approach so it's very transparent so it's a, a, a quoted figure um, if we're just doing one um, upfront advice where we're helping just a one-off we'll quote that before we actually do the work um, and you you know make sure you're happy with it um, but then we also can do ongoing advice where we have that ongoing relationship and we're helping out day to day we don't have um, set 
you know, you're only allowed to contact us two times a year. We're very open and, mm. you know, we appreciate being change, contacted. Right? Yeah, things change. And you might yep. just have a quick question around finance. So um, just like people's goals, our the the actual fees are, have to be individualised. We can't say yes. this is our one fee for everyone, but you might have a, a completely different... Yes. It's tailored, but at at least you know it's transparent and fixed. Yeah, and it's it's always um, we always go over that clearly before we start any work together. Because generally, you'd find that I guess the traditional you know dinosaur style financial planners they'll charge percentages of how much you invest and all those sort of aspects. And I'm not a big fan of that only because you know what they're they're basically punishing you for investing more. Yeah, exactly. And earning more. Yeah, that's Um, that's my viewpoint as well. So you know, it doesn't necessarily mean they're doing more work. Yeah. It just means that they're just earning more. So, um, you know, just be careful out there, guys. There are a lot of um, cowboys out there um, and, and sharks in this environment. And, yeah, and, um, yeah if you want to get in touch with someone, they just give you some, you know, just, just a second opinion at least. Just contact Wayne. Um, contact details-wise, direct email to you, website. Yeah, website's probably the easiest because it has everything. Um, so, New Way Financial Planning, um, you can go on there and you can either our phone numbers there or the email or contact box yeah. and um, we'll always get back to people pretty quickly and always what we do at first is just have a bit of a chat about what you're after if we can potentially help and then we have like a complimentary or free meeting just yeah. up front to awesome. discuss that a bit more detail and go yeah. from there. And I just wanted to add in there, there are two things on the website that you should definitely give a go. One is uh, the free financial health assessment. So this yes. is literally a one minute uh, survey. You put in your details in there and it asks a variety of questions, probably about 10 to 15 yeah. questions. Um, and, it'll, and it'll quickly give you a um, I guess a health assessment of your financial situation. So it may mean that you know you need to focus on certain areas of your of your life, uh, whether that's cash flow or investments or de-risking. But it just gives you a very very quick overview of um, you know what you can do right now to improve your financial situation. Now the second part is um, you know Wayne. He's uh, not only a um, you know financial advisor. Um, he's also a, a renowned, well-renowned uh, author, and uh, he's a uh, He's created an ebook, and it's a free download, guys. So get on there. I've read through the ebook. Um, you know, it really helps to rake in the big bucks. Um, but uh, excuse it, the title. Excuse the title, but uh, get on there, download it because it has basically everything that Wayne has spoken about and a little bit more. So it goes down into you know if you're just starting out in in um, building wealth and you know just uh, controlling your wealth to purchasing your home to the uh the 60 20 20 split you're talking about in terms of budgeting everything's in there it's all for free um you know wayne spent countless hours on, on writing this book and um, hopefully you guys can rake in the big bucks as well um so thanks so much wayne is there any uh, any last pieces of advice that you want to give business owners or what I would say is just, it's, it's like everything, just try and make the time, I guess, to think about your personal financial situation and, and what you want to do. And once you um, set some time there, then it gets rid of a lot of stress and yeah. you can start making things happen. Plan ahead. Plan ahead. Yeah. yeah it's a big one. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thank and you. Uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Appreciate it.